2: What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It's the Palindromatic episode 464 for October 6th, 2020. Ryan McCaffrey here, and as I go around the horn on uh, my screen, I've got Destin Legary in the upper left square. Bam, hey, everybody! Sorry for the
3: camera this week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no worries, my friend. No one would even know if you didn't say anything. Uh, I'm in the top right, so hi from me, Miranda Sanchez, bottom left square.
4: Oh, welcome to my square and my living room.
2: You know, we've gotta do a nine-person show and then just turn it into Hollywood Squares. just IGN Squares or video game squares or something. And in the lower right, Brandon Tyrell. Good to see you, my friend. Hello, hello, circle gets the square. Yeah. <laughs> yes indeed. I'm Shadow Stevens. Who's yeah, how is that show? You could totally have that back on the air, because just put know, plexiglass man. in front of everybody and social think dem-
1: distance. I don't think our demographic is really, you know, hard up for more Hollywood squares. <laughs> yeah,
2: Maybe not. I'm old. Anyway, uh, yes, this is a palindrome <laughs> episode 464. We've got plenty to cover uh, this week, and I wanted to start right here with In Exile, one of Microsoft's recent studio acquisitions, the house that Brian Fargo built. Uh, he of Wasteland fame uh, and a number of wonderful RPGs over the years and in exile. So interestingly here they have not one but two role-playing games in development now and that's after just shipping Wasteland 3 which came out, gosh, just a month and change ago. So the first one that we heard about just, what, a couple months ago uh, was an is an Unreal Engine 5 RPG and the info on the second one, well, Brian Fargo taking to Twitter where where uh, all news breaks these days. Fargo responded to a fan on Twitter over the weekend noting that the studio is, quote, working on wonderful new RPGs. It's too bad they take so long to make. In a follow-up tweet, he cl- uh, clarified that the second of the two RPGs has that Art in exile has in development is still, quote, in the infancy of pre-production. So that's about as early on in a project as you can get so um guys i'm curious to get your take on this brandon i'll go your way first uh yet another rpg coming out of microsoft game studios this good stuff
1: yeah it makes sense i mean you know you you pick up these developers for what they do and what they do really well and in exile along with obsidian uh, are really you know two of the marquee rpg developers in the industry so um the the takeaway here is pre-production, like you said, that is very early on in the process. We won't see this for a long while. Uh, but you know, this, along with Obsidians portfolio, we saw a, you know, a little bit of a Vowed. We know we got a halo coming, or I'm sorry, a fable coming. So all in all, I mean, as a big RPG guy myself, like this is great news, and I'm looking forward to the Xbox actually being the premier place to play RPGs again, especially Western RPGs.
2: yeah, and that's the thing you're exactly right. You're dead on. Miranda. I mean, also, in addition to the games that Brandon mentioned, probably Outer Worlds 2 because there's another team at Obsidian uh, that the Outer Worlds team that that finished what I guess gosh they finished that game came out a year ago already just yeah. just about it uh, we're a few weeks shy oh, of its wow. of yeah. its one year anniversary. Wow, that how did that happen? Um, there's been then, some other things going on. <laughs> a few things. <laughs> But then Miranda, you've got all the Bethesda stuff, and just to Brandon's point on RPGs specifically, Starfield, Elder Scrolls Six, the and eventually Fallout Five, of course. Um, it ha, there's just no end to the RPGs in sight on Xbox.
4: Yeah, it's really exciting, and it's kind of makes me think that once you get a bunch of these out, and they're all in Game Pass, so you can have all of them. So you just get like a, a little blanket fort, like a cocoon in your couch. You just like set up a little fridge or something and just live there. You have so many games to live in. That's the thing is that I really like is that you're gonna get these really cool narrative experiences on the Xbox. I think it's really needed for a while. Obviously, we have gears, which is great, and Halo, but just having those shooters offer a very different kind of focus experience where RPGs, obviously, you make them your own, right? Or you get to live in this very unique kind of world that offers usually a living element to it, right? Like there's there's some sort of immersion that goes beyond just like taking you through a story. So I think that's going to be really fantastic for us to have.
2: Yeah, Miranda, I think you and I are, are probably two of the bigger shooter fans, genre-wise, mm-hmm. on the IGN staff. And I think it's fair to say that from the very beginning, of course, Halo 1 forging the the xbox's identity as the shooter box i mean because especially at the time the playstation 2 wasn't for the most part wasn't really doing first person shooters like time splitters was kind of their biggest shooter and halo just a very <laughs> very different experience uh i would argue much better experience than time splitters not that there's anything wrong with time splitters but um and then yeah just over the years shooter after shooter but now yeah is do you think Miranda that? that uh, Xbox over the coming generation could end up really shifting its reputation from the shooter console to the RPG console.
4: I mean, that would be kind of cool to see that shift happen because I think there are just so many different kinds of experiences that you'll get out of an RPG. Uh, I think Western RPGs especially vary so much in like what they offer. Um, And I would like to see them maybe... I know Microsoft has bought a lot of studios, but it'd be really cool for them to work with a Japanese developer and get some JRPGs into the mix. Um, Because obviously we are seeing some of that more so go to Sony, which makes a lot of sense. They have been traditionally the home for JRPGs, but I would like to see Xbox make more of a reach for that and to try to expand uh, kind of their portfolio for that. And it'd be kind of cool to see Xbox be the box for your RPGs and your shooters.
2: Yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy sixteen, of course, going to PlayStation <laughs> on, a, on an exclusivity deal there. Um, now, Destin, the, uh, there was sort of a little bit of rumor. We, I didn't bring it up on the show before because there didn't seem to be anything substantiating to it. But you know, there's, there was a little chatter that Microsoft might be also circling Sega to miranda's point about about a, a japanese <laughs> developer i mean they've been tight since the original xbox i mean would uh what would you think of of that potential scenario adding persona and and the this the fleet of sega titles to yeah, imme-
3: uh yeah immediately my brain jumped to persona right away yeah. and um just who who owns fantasy star that's sega yeah, so Fantasy Star is, like, this coveted title, and if Xbox could secure that, like, that would bring in a, a, a whole, a really, really big, passionate audience. I know a lot of our staff members actually play that particular title. Shout out to and Eric could, Sapp. Yeah, if they could lock that up on uh, Xbox NPC, that would be a huge win for them. And, you know, Sega... Um, <laughs> Sega's been sort of trudging along doing their Olympic games and whatnot. They haven't had too many megatons uh, lately. Well, I would it's love more, to see Yeah, Xbox they're, they're Western dump some money their Western strategy
2: games have been, have been big. Uh, all, all, yeah. the, all their strategy stuff does really well.
3: Yeah, um, I would love to see Microsoft dump a bunch of money into them and see what they can do with some of those old IPs or even the ones that are currently doing doing okay for Sega.
4: I think it'd be very weird if they were to get Sega because obviously Sega's parent cutting thing to a lot of people like Atlas who just make persona and we haven't had a persona, just a big new persona on an Xbox so that would be bizarre i I don't <laughs> see them wanting to lock that out of PlayStation though because that's that's where that audience is, I think is mostly uh, and I think uh, I would I don't know. It'd be kind of weird, not to say that I always feel bad for people. I, mean, I guess I would feel bad for people. It's like if this is kind of the the expectation that they're always going to have this here, then suddenly get ripped away. But then it would be on PC, so that's good too. <laughs> Probably. I
2: mean, the original Xbox was kind of the Dreamcast 2.0. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> had Panzer Dragoon. It had Shenmue. It had uh, it had a number of Jet Set Radio. Had a number of things. Jet Set Radio. So. This would only complete the circle and <laughs> <a> fuse. <few laughs> Fuse yes. the two, yeah, in there uh, forever, but just to bring it back to to Inexile here and their second RPG, Brandon, I'm kind of curious, do you think, so we know that the first RPG that's a little further along is Unreal Engine 5, do you think it would make sense for this second one that's just at the earliest incubation stages to also be an Unreal Engine 5 project? Yeah,
1: I mean, it makes sense, right? You share a lot of learnings. You have the same sort of production workflow. If this is just in pre-production and they're already in development on a UE5 game, it makes sense to, to follow it up. But it would also depend on, like, what kind of game it is. You know, not all engines are, are right for the the right kind of projects they're, they're working on, as, you know, we famously seen with the Battlefield and and some of the DICE stuff. Everyone being forced to use Frostbite across EA. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's It's it would make sense. And, and I imagine, you know, there are people whose job it is to figure out efficiency and in, in production workflow. So I, I would imagine that would be the case. But this early out, who knows what it could be? You know, is it going to be an ISO RPG? Is it going to be a similar to a CRPG that, that, you know, we we've kind of associate with Exile with the Wasteland series? I, right. I don't know, but it would make sense from a just a tech and, and financial perspective.
2: And of course, the Unreal Engine is flexible too, it, or it historically has been. There's no reason to think that Unreal Five won't. It can be. do quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it'll be very interesting to see. But yeah, you said it, Brandon. It's the, the Xbox had, by the end of this generation really is. I mean, it is. If you like Western RPGs, it is the you it is the platform for you. By by no, there's no questioning that at all. Uh, next up this week. Speaking of Bethesda, we touched on the acquisition there a minute ago, talking about uh, the RPGs that Bethesda will add to the Xbox collection. Well, next-gen collections of Bethesda's Wolfenstein, Discord, and Prey games are apparently, a little grain of salt here, but apparently heading exclusively to the Xbox series, meaning, of course, just the S and the X. Better get used to that shorthand. When we say series... (laughs) When you just mean next gen S and X rather than it's too annoying to say S series S and series X, just series from now on out. There's your, there's your one and only warning. But anyway, uh, collections of those titles have been listed on the ESRB ratings website, which is, you know, that's not like just some random ratings website that's uh, you know, in, in somewhere, some corner of the world, it's, It's the big one, it's the North American market, so uh, there's some validity to it. We'll see if indeed it comes to fruition, but the Dishonored and Prey, uh, the Arcane Collection, a rating mentions four games, which are most likely Dishonored, Dishonored 2, Dishonored Death of the Outsider, and Prey, the most recent Prey, the reboot. The Wolfenstein Alt History Collection also mentions four games, which are most likely the New Order, The Old Blood, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, and the more recent Wolfenstein Young Blood co op uh, first person shooter. And as I touched on, Xbox Series is listed as the only platform for both of those ESRB listings, suggesting that they could indeed be exclusive to Microsoft's consoles now that the Bethesda acquisition has happened. So, um, Miranda, I think. You are a fan of one or all of these games. What would you? How would you react to getting some port ups of those coming over exclusively to Xbox? Yay! (laughs) Mostly
4: (laughs) because I love revisiting Dishonored. Dishonored is one of the first games that, maybe not some of the first, but like one of the only games that, after I finish playing it and put it down, I immediately want to restart it. Like just go back to the home screen, new run. Um, I, I think. They have such a great portfolio here, obviously. Like, we've we've gushed over Bethesda and how it's really neat to have all of these under the Xbox umbrella now. Um, And having these on next gen and being like, hey, here here are these collections for you to catch up if you somehow miss these games. And to kind of get a taste of, like, what they're going to have to offer to, I guess, the Xbox ecosystem. Uh, So, awesome. Yay. (laughs) You like to see them happen. And I would assume that they're going to come to Game Pass because... That yeah, would be weird if didn't.
2: That's a great point, actually. Yeah, that all these would just dump immediately into Game Pass. Perfect. Um, yeah, Destin, which are are any of these standouts for you of of these uh, eight games that appear to be on the way to the Xbox Series?
3: Hmm. I mean, the Wolfenstein series, I suppose, would be like yeah. the, the the biggest one. I think. Uh, Yeah, as a shooter fan, I definitely really, really like that one. And like if you like the option of going stealth or going, you know, full combat, I definitely think uh, Dishonored is going to be your cup of tea. This is a really, really great collection. What I find really interesting is that it does seem like this does lend a little bit more credibility to that whole idea that future titles from Bethesda will be Xbox exclusive. Mm
2: -hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't even really considered that, but yeah, what? Because if they were just looking to cash in, follow, you know, to start to recoup that seven and a half billion dollars, yeah, you would think they would also put these on PS five. Mm-hmm. But yes, mm-hmm. you make a you make a very excellent point there, Brandon. Do yes. you think what are what do you peg the odds are? How how are you feeling now that we've had a couple weeks since the acquisition? You've had time to sit with it. Is uh, do you feel like Starfield as kind of the probably the the closest high profile example of everything in the entire Bethesda catalog, other than obviously Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop, which are already mm-hmm. promised as timed exclusives to PS Five. You think how do you feel about Starfield? Do you think it's it's going anywhere outside of Xbox on the console side?
1: I'm not sure, I, I really, I don't know. And <clears throat> I know that sounds like kind of a cop-out, but it, it's not intended to be because we've had so much information. I mean, Bethesda just said they defer, right, to Microsoft. Um, Microsoft has said it'll be a case-by-case basis. And looking at the strategy of it, it, you could make a case for both, right? Like, why would you why would you cap something like Starfield to just the Series X um, when it's going to be available on Game Pass day one? And in the same in the same sort of line of thinking, uh, this collection is sort of a strange play for me as well. It makes total sense, right? Like it it actually happens a lot. You buy a company, you figure out what you can do with an existing catalog that's as low resource as possible that'll, you know, help generate revenue immediately. In that in that line, collection series make a ton of sense, right? Like this yes. this will move units, people love collections, they love to own them, they're like, hey, I love these games, I can play them all whenever I want, so I'm going to buy this collection. That makes total sense. But if it is series exclusive <clears throat> and available on Game Pass, you're, like, what is the onus on somebody? My thought process then is like this collection would be to drive people to subscribe to Game Pass, which seems to be Microsoft's M.O. lately. So I'm not exactly sure why this, collus- why this collection being exclusive to the Series X or the Series X and S uh, is a good thing, right? Like with a collection like this, you're selling to collectors, you're selling to nostalgia, you're selling to people who want to own these games, who maybe played one, haven't played them all, or who've never played them and are looking pl- for a place to jump in. Um, but if they're exclusive to this uh, this you know, console ecosystem, it, it's very strange to me that they would also put it on Game Pass because you're essentially removing the need to like own that and have those.
2: Well, um, although you just got done saying that collectors <laughs> like to own the whole collections of things. And so mm-hmm. wouldn't they want to buy the, like physically buy it either either in digital form or even probably in, in physical form? Yeah, that's a
1: great point. I, I don't think of physical as like the go-to anymore. I imagine digital now is the go-to, but you, that's an excellent point. Owning one case with all the games in it is totally something that you know is still valuable to a huge subset of people so um that makes sense but it, it just seems strange that you would like bundle in value collections and then make it available for free on right. the only ecosystem that you can play it as long as you are already subscribed to game pass and well, i don't remember what the conversion numbers are right now but i think game pass has what, what were the numbers recently 15, from a few million, ago? I 15, million. 15 million that's not that's that's not a that's not a few people so so, um, so-
4: on that point, really quickly, I will say that there are definitely those people out there who don't subscribe to Game Pass just because they don't feel like they have the time to play all the games or like maybe it's yeah. a little bit overwhelming. And we've, we've had some people uh, talk to us about that in our comments as well. Uh, also, shout out to everyone who sent me the permanent games on your living on your Xbox. I really appreciate reading those. It oh, yeah, was really cool. It was cool to see all the differences between those. Um, but anyway, so I think like these sort of collections are great for those people who don't necessarily want to subscribe to Game Pass because of maybe they don't have time for it. But they were always interested, say, in Dishonored 2 or Dishonored. And they're like, this is the perfect kind of pack to just get it all at once. So I think they're still trying to serve that market and just make sure that people want that. And I know there are plenty of people who do still love collecting physical editions. Like if you just look at even our team, like Janet um, on our guides team, she loves collecting physical editions of things. Uh, so I think there's still a lot of people out there who want to make sure that they can actually ha- like, hold their games. It's like, this, this lives with me forever. So... As yeah, a, a future Bentley, f- still got my copy.
1: That's definitely a fair <laughs> point. The collectors out there.
2: And yeah. I guess, Brandon, the other thing I would say to your point too is uh, thinking through it as you guys have been talking, we just got done saying that you know this is probably a low impact project mm-hmm. for Bethesda, and you know, it probably didn't cost a lot of money for Bethesda and Microsoft to put this together. So, in that sense, even if you are kind of giving it away for free to Game Pass subscribers you know if it if it either drives a few yeah. new game pass subscriptions or just keeps just adds value and keeps people subscribed well then it can it can pay for that project it can pay for itself pretty quickly i would imagine yeah
1: totally and that's the thing too it's like whatever your definition of value is if if adding you know however many hundreds of hours of of games to game pass is considered value for them then then i think you're totally right as well as well i am i was thinking about it more in the terms of like sales or Mm -hmm. driving uh you know converting people over to game pass right say say you're you know joe is playing uh game pass and he's like okay i i've Spent my 15 bucks. I have my subscription. I'm going to play these two games and then I'm going to unsubscribe. Uh, and then he gets started on the Dishonored series. And, you know, four months later, he's finished right. them all. That's, that's 60 bucks, right? Or just more money than that. I can't do that yeah. right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, added value, not only in like a reason to stay in Game Pass, but also a reason to join it, I think is, is probably something that, you know, could be looked at as a win for Microsoft. Yeah. With the collection
2: and uh and quite frankly Wolfenstein and and Dishonored and Prey as well, they deserve a little extra attention. They're they're excellent games and and also excellent single player games. That's you know, Xbox has been criticized for that a lot over the past generation. So here you go. Here's to Brent to your point, Brandon, and uh, dozens of hours between the, the eight total games in this collection, dozens upon dozens of hours of uh, of great single player content. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. We're all busy, right? We've all got a lot going on. Cooking can take a while, but you want to get a good quality meal. Factor is awesome. Check them out. They have fresh, never-frozen meals that are all chef-crafted, dietitian-improved. And get this, this is the best part, ready to go in just two minutes. They send you everything, different stuff every week. You throw it in the microwave, two minutes, boom, you're done. You've got a good meal. I have tried these. They taste good. It is good stuff. Over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus options, and keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons if you need to help stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started right away. They've got everything from Pancakes, smoothies, more, you know, breakfast, not just dinner and lunch, it's breakfast as well. No prep, no mess. They are ready to heat and eat. Flexible for your schedule. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. That is the best part. And I know from having tried this for myself, boy, it just saves a ton of time. So sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and also tastes real good as well. If you're interested, head on over to FactorMeals.com/unlocked50 and use the code unlocked50 to get 50% off. That's code unlocked50 at FactorMeals.com/unlocked50 to get 50% off.
0: Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.
2: Next up this week, Cyberpunk 2077. We are T-minus, let's see, six weeks out, I believe. Uh, yeah November 19th that's yeah, pretty much oh. six weeks out uh, Miranda's having cold sweats over there for game help and the the wiki team situation
4: we can do it, can do it. I, b- I believe please everybody out there if you're listening right now hear my plea use IGN guides please please use our guides <laughs> we're going to work so hard for you we're going to try to answer all your questions we're going to find all the mysterious elevators I'm going to put them on a map just for you please use our guides
2: well, and how about Miranda? How about help out with your guides too, right? Because there's going to be yeah. so many little Easter eggs and little corners of Night City, right, to, that people can just jump in and and add to the uh, to the wiki themselves.
4: Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you have an IGN account and you have two factor authentication um, enabled, you should be able to edit if you find a nice little secret in an area. So you're also welcome to just jump like right in the comments, like, "Oh, well, I found this thing," and we'll go check it out for you. And of course, uh, we. I know this is sorry to get a, like a little wiki tangent, but Don't we do, do have a. Um, a Twitter account that you can tag. You can also tag me and other individual guides editors. Um, So that's IGN wikis, I believe, on Twitter. And you can tell us if you guys have any issues with anything or if you have any pressing questions that you don't think our guide's answering. We'll try our best to do it.
2: Well, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 won't just be taking over Miranda's life here in in six weeks' time. It'll probably be taking over a lot of people's lives, a lot of gamers' lives. I know that's with Halo out uh, of the picture, that's the game I'm I'm most looking forward to personally, and it has gone gold. That is the news item that I've been dancing around here for the past couple minutes. It has gone gold. Now, of course I say that, that is mostly a meaningless designation these days uh, because work does not simply stop. It's just when they've decided to, it's just which build they've decided to put on a disc to send out, to press uh, at manufacturing and send out to stores. But even if you buy that disc and get home, you're still going to have to give uh, to update the game in order to to play it. Uh, there's probably going to be a substantial day one patch, especially given how relatively early it's gone gold here. Six weeks out, there'll be another six weeks worth of work put into the game by the time uh, you actually put that disc into your Xbox, either either your um, your Series or your Xbox One. Or if you're just playing on PC, but uh, yeah, it's it, maybe not a file size substantial. I'm not saying you're going to get some like Modern Warfare-like 80 gigabyte patch. No idea. Maybe, maybe not. But as far as what's in that day one patch, it'll probably be substantial. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, I can't help but think of our friend Paris, Paris Lilly, when I think of Cyberpunk going gold, because he has been the most excited person that I know about Cyberpunk, and it, it got me thinking. I wanted to go around the table. I'm going to start with Destin first here. Games, I feel like games don't come around super often where we're just, like, next level excited for them. Like, just, it's all you can think about. You can't wait till it's out. You know, there's plenty of games we look forward to. But Destin, is there a game that comes to mind that recently? You know, where or what's the most recent game that comes to mind where you are just
3: completely amped for it well i mean a a game that i couldn't compare what cyberpunk is going to do for games and like what you're going to have option wise the first game that ever had me excited like that was mass effect because i followed all the developer diaries when casey hudson was talking about how they concepted the world from scratch and everything they have an excellent foundation for cyberpunk 2077 they're working with mike Pondsmith and yeah i know that's that's like a really really old title that i'm using as an example but man they just really really fleshed out that world and created the characters and they they invented new combat systems i think cyberpunk is really really going to introduce new things that hadn't been thought of before in game development that is going to push that genre of games forward in an interesting way. So I, I'm incredibly excited about Cyberpunk 2077. I absolutely get it. Uh, I actually don't even want to see any more about it. I just want to play the game at this point, you know?
2: That's, and that's probably, that might be a telltale sign of of maximum hype. Where you're like, just don't show me anymore. Yeah. I don't want to ruin anything else. Just give me the game. And actually I like what you said too, about you brought up kind of the first game that made you feel that way with Mass Effect 1. Mm-hmm. And now, now I want to go keep going. So, Brandon, I'm kind of curious, what's what's the most recent game that's had you at that next level hype, whether it's Cyberpunk or something else? And can you remember the first game in your life that you felt that way about?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that's tough. I can't remember the first one. Uh, I remember... Man, what a, what a spot to be in. I do remember um, I felt this way... I felt that way over, uh, strangely enough, the Kingdom Under Fire series because I was yeah. a, I was a teenager and you know Xbox as a big, 360. What's up? As a big fantasy nerd and big Lord of the Rings fan, I was like, it's like the Battle of Minas Tirith, but I can play it in a video game. I was so so pumped for that to the point where I walked to games uh, GameStop. There we go. Uh, I walked to GameStop, which was a mile and a half away from my apartment at the time. I walked there three times. Because the first time they delayed it, I didn't know that because I didn't know idea about video game release dates. Yeah. Second time they were out of stock, and the third time I walked there, I finally got it. Ran home and just played it for for days. Um, so I remember just that being all encompassing. Uh, more recently, State of Decay. Uh, just following the uh, the blogs. I mean, even yes. before I worked at IGN, I was writing like. 2,000 word think pieces on, on this game. And it, just everything that that game was sort of, uh, putting out is I, I was picking up in a really strong way about like, you can do any, how would you survive? And, um, I remember being very excited for that looking forward. It's a little bit harder, uh, just cause I don't, you know, we don't, we don't have a ton of time to obsess about things. Uh, we, we cover so many different little games, um, and big games, but, uh, looking forward I think Avowed has been very interested I'm very interested in seeing what um, the initiative is up to um, but we don't have any concrete information about either of those games so I think God of War 2 is something that I'm very hyped about and, and to, to the degree I don't want to know anything else about it I know I'm going to like it so I'll just yeah. play it um, and then the other one being Dragon Age 4 I think is, is the other concrete one that we've seen little teases of we saw some work in progress stuff we saw some sizzle reels I know I'm going to love that game uh, assuming it's not like Dragon Age Two, I know I'm gonna love that game, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna follow along as 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 best I can, right? Because yeah, you know how a work job hazard. If you know a lot about something, you have to cover it. So I'm gonna try to weasel my way out of that one. But there's a bunch of great stuff coming out, and the problem is it's all far enough away that I don't have to sit here and think about it while I lie in bed at night. So. Um, I don't know if it's a cop-out, but those are kind of my answers.
2: Uh, Miranda, how about you? Recent one, and maybe if you can remember an early one or even the first one?
4: I had to actually do some research because I think I remember the first one, which is is a little fun story. So I guess I'll go with the first one first. Uh, So you might have been seeing me tapping on my phone. Uh, I had to look at the date for this. So for me, hype is really difficult, especially professionally now. I, I mostly just approach things with cautious optimism unless I feel like I can be excited because the studio has proven time and time again that there's something here that they just know what they're doing. And that's kind of the case for me, at least. I know I just said I was going to talk about my past one. But uh, that's why I'm also very excited about Cyberpunk. But taking it back to when I could just, I don't know, I was just having a good time I was a kid. Uh, so when I was 13 years old, uh, I had some problems breathing with asthma and stuff. So there's this one thing called, uh, gosh darn it, what are they called? Nebulizers. Oh, so I there have one of those upstairs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so breathing <laughs> treatments. So I remember one year during E3, uh, I I was doing a breathing treatment, and I was, like, really stressed, and they're like, look, video games. So I was like, yay. Uh, and then there's doing stuff for Twilight Princess. So that's Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. And historically, for me at least, Ocarina of Time was, like, a foundational game for me. And so seeing, like, this darker version of Legend of Zelda just hype through the roof. I was so excited. I, like, consumed every piece of media I could about that game. I wanted to know everything about it. I wanted the Wii so bad. I was so excited for it. uh, And I had a great time with it, even though it was kind of easy. So (laughs) that was, I think, my first instance of just being max excitement. And I think there's been a few times since then that I have felt that. Uh, But looking forward, it's really hard to say of, like, the one thing that I I could just, like, go, like, just full unleash excitement. And the only other one that I can think of at this moment, aside from Cyberpunk, that I'm really excited for, uh, is Breath of the Wild 2. Because <laughs> like that, I again coming back to Zelda, I just feel like Nintendo's really proven that they can do a lot there. Um and so that's not one that I feel like I need to approach with cautious optimism. Also I know I'm probably not going to review that so I can just be excited about it and I not have to approach it in a different mindset. So I think that also kind of affects how I, I think about games sometimes. It's like, okay, well, how am I going to be covering this? Is it just for guides? Okay, cool. Then I can just, you know, I don't know, enjoy it without having to think, times think too much about it. I still think a lot about the games that I'm playing. I will always criticize the ones I'm playing, even I'm streaming. But um, the way that I can allow myself just to kind of enjoy the process of, of the lead up to the actual launch of the game is a little different, varied. Based on, like, I guess, how I'm covering the game for work, if that makes sense.
3: Well, you guys were talking, I actually thought of uh, two others I just want to mention really quick Please, that were yeah. pretty, pretty astronomical leaps. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, when mm. I first started playing that, I, would, I just couldn't believe that this game existed. It was basically like New York, right? And you had this whole city to just do whatever you wanted in. I would stay up at night and just sit in a car in an alleyway and listen to the radio. <laughs> to, like I, you could actually pause the game, pick a radio station, yeah. and it would just play the radio. And it didn't loop. Like it like I think they had like eventually, it did,
2: but yeah, it uh, took... eventually. But it took <laughs> yeah. a
3: very, very long time. And I believe I listened to Laszlo's channel. Like, oh, yeah. Just just not because there was like a lot of funny jokes in there. And then um look, like it or not, they got a ton of crap at the time. But I, I still think No Man's Sky did something really, really special. Being able to have a whole planet created. And while well, there's not a ton going on there, being able to leave that planet and go to another one. I don't know when we're going to see another game that does something as interesting as that, or at least that they attempted to do. And yeah, I I think those will push forward ideas in the industry like GTA did and No Man's Sky probably will.
4: I will say, if you want a game where you can travel between planet to planet seamlessly, (laughs) check out the Outer Wilds.
3: Oh yeah, You guys gotta
4: play it. You gotta play. It. <laughs>
1: oh, well, I'm, sec- this. <laughs> I'm seconding the the Zelda sequel as well. I, I totally forgot about that. But Miranda's right. If at worst that game is
2: more Breath of the Wild, then yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah, Sign yeah. me up. Exactly. <laughs> well, Destin, you're not the only one that that would just go sit in a parked car in Grand Theft Auto Three and listen <laughs> to the radio stations. I did the same thing. But for me, yeah, as far as hype, like just again cyberpunk kind of levels of hype uh like our friend paris uh, that that excitement i remembered while you guys were talking the first time i ever felt that way super mario brothers 3 i remember Mm -hmm. before because it was and it was the wizard yes because the it came out before the game and i remember i was just i could not contain myself as a kid waiting for super mario brothers 3 it's a movie from the 80s about a kid who, uh, and, and my memory is
1: foggy here about this movie, but a, a kid who plays in, like, video game tournaments or, or goes to a video game tournament, yeah. and they're playing Super Mario 3. Uh-huh. And it, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the first time that, like, the flute trick was publicized, right? I don't did know they, about that. Did they, did
3: they pull that out
2: in the movie? I'm not sure. It's been so the long movie, since yeah. I've seen it, but. No, yeah. that
3: happens in, in the wizard. Yeah, okay. he does the the like trick where he jumps up and then warps and that's how he wins.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. He warps <laughs> so through that the kind of and it blew kids cheat. minds. Yeah. Yeah. They like tease
3: the cheat basically
1: yeah. for I in love a movie.
3: That. Yeah. It was kind it, of it it be like
1: it'd be like if uh, Contra there was a movie about Contra and they did like the Konami code. Uh, you know, <laughs> like it's down, that, down, it's down. that level of like iconic <laughs> holy crap this changed the game because yeah. remember back then there was no internet. It was all magazines. Right.
2: You know, but yeah, Super Mario Three was the first time, and I remember. I still remember. I just have this vivid picture. Like, we were. I usually had to save up allowance money and this and that to get to get video games every now and again. Like my parents didn't. We just she they never just like bought me a game outside of a special occasion, and were like, here you go. But I remember what my mother uh, handed me one day uh, a a plastic kmart bag because kmart sold video games for a while back in the day hand me a kmart bag and i could see as the white plastic bag and i could see the yellow through it because the, the super mario brothers 3 if, if you can remember what the cartridge looks like just look it up if you don't but and i took it out and it was she just got me super mario brothers 3 and it was i like that memory still stands out but um all time for me i think that was the first but the all-timer was Halo 2. Like, I spent, the, the from the time of the actual unveiling uh, of the that single-player level, uh, well, even the trailer before that, the, where he just jumps out of the ship, and the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest video game trailer of all time, I still get goosebumps watching that. Like, G- giving if them their missed? I won't. And then he <laughs> just jumps out, and it's the greatest thing of all time. But yeah, Halo 2, like getting to play it at play Zanzibar, one flag CTF at E3. And then I, I could, I was all I could think about for weeks after. And I went to Bungie and played multiplayer at a, at a, a hands-on event for like all day. And ugh, yeah, Halo two and probably. Yeah. Now like cyberpunk's the closest thing where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to lose myself in this game. And it's, I'm lucky I already got to play four hours of it as Miranda did. And so I already kind of have an idea Oh, now I know, like, okay, well, I want to maybe I'm going to start on this life path and do this and do that, and I'm already starting to think about how I'm going to play that game. But quickly, but life yes,
4: punk really uh, live life paths. Alana's is in the game; she's on the nomad path. Did you guys see that? No. So yeah, no. obviously, former unlocker oh, yeah. uh, Alana is in Cyberpunk. Like, she has a character in the nomad <laughs> path, which is crazy. So I just had to shout that out really quickly while we we're talking about Cyberpunk, but. So cool! So nice. big congrats to her.
2: Oh, that's awesome! Uh, now, real quick, while we're on the subject of cyberpunk, I wanted to bring up uh, what is what a, a take that went ice cold of mine. Very quickly after last week's show, I couldn't help but laugh. We were talking about uh, what we thought was was going to sell more in November, in the launch month of each of these games: Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War or Cyberpunk 2077, which one was going to sell more that first month out of the gate? Because Call of Duty is a juggernaut every year, but Cyberpunk has this, just this rare type buildup. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's Keanu Reeves. (laughs) And
2: and speaking of Keanu Reeves, so I said, I think I ended up saying, and uh, I think Miranda might've agreed with me. And I believe Pikachu lead. I think we were all pretty much just giving the slight edge to Call of Duty because of their just massive marketing budget and marketing push, which I think I even specifically mentioned, oh, they always advertise on the NBA Finals every year. Mm -hmm. Well, game one of the NBA Finals this year, which from the pandemic's happening later in the year than usual, what aired? This aired. Welcome to Night City.
1: I know. Is what you're willing to become. So dream big. If you can hack it, the future's yours for the
2: take. For me? Maybe. There you go. Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, that's actually the second ad, that live action yeah. ad with In Keanu that's aired. Oh, here's the first one. Criminal. Getting caught
1: night city you can become anyone anything if your body can pay the price so seize the day then set it on fire
2: yeah set it on fire (laughs) so that yeah that was game one of the nba finals which of course is a very highly rated television event so there you go uh I guess they've got a sizable marketing budget after all. It's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting Keanu and, and buying airtime on the NBA finals, which is I mean, these days probably probably the biggest T V event, like live T V tune in event at the moment. I mean, you've got the NFL going on Sundays, but uh, mm-hmm. the finals is you know, it's still regular season on, on the NFL. So good stuff there. And, yes, uh, it's as if CD Projekt Red was listening to the show last week and just cackling, saying, okay, how about this? Get Keanu
1: on the phone now. I don't care. Put him in front of a window. Just have him walk down a hallway. doesn't matter. Sure, he can sit in a car. That's it. That's all we need.
2: That's all we need. All right, so we are running out of time this week. Uh, Let me actually go, let's see. We'll skip to the loot box this week. Let's go there. Our question this week comes to us from Kyle in Wisconsin. Take it away, Kyle. Hey, guys, my name is Kyle. I'm from Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Huge fan of the show, listening to you guys every week. Uh, my loot box question for you is uh, just wondering what game comes to mind for each of the Xbox generations so far? Uh, that gives you that wow factor, like this is next-gen, either graphically or uh, gameplay-wise. I didn't have an original Xbox. Um, I had a PS2. But for the 360, I'd have to say uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, um, when you leave the sewers and um, see the open world for the first time. Uh, For Xbox One, I'd have to say Rise, Son of Rome. And then I was just wondering what will be the game for Series X for you. And for me, I think it would be Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Thanks again, guys. Oh, Kyle! Great question there. That's a little bit of kind of a the similar similar thing we were talking about with with hype meter. But as far as the first next g- thing that that screamed next gen for you, uh, presumably mostly from a visual standpoint, is, is that's sort of the first thing we all get get our jaws dropped by. Uh, so we let's quickly go around the table here. Uh, I'll actually start. I would say the original Xbox, the first Splinter Cell. Uh, because of the the lighting, the real time lighting, and the they had amazing like cloth physics. Like Sam could walk by a a like a drape and and it would sort of brush away with him. Um, but then, uh, the Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay was one of the most technologically amazing games on the original Xbox. Uh, but then and then on 360, I mean, he's not wrong with his Oblivion nod there. But I would say that what came out right before that was the demo for Fight Night Round 3, which was one of the most next-gen things I had ever seen. Uh, and then on the Xbox One, I definitely can't disagree with Rise. Honestly, I, I would say literally every Forza Horizon game, 2, 3, and 4, have just blown me away uh, up until... And then Cuphead is one of the most stunning games I've ever seen. And probably Red Dead 2 is the most recent thing where I've just been like, wow, that looks incredible on the Xbox. So let me go, uh, Destin, go to you now here.
3: You took all my answers. Like, well, I wrote this up. I wrote it totally independent. I, I yeah, wrote, I wrote it before Splinter, you did. Red so <laughs> so here, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Fable on the original Xbox because it had the morality system. And, like, if you were evil enough, like, you would become all red and and smelly and flies would follow you. But uh, it was just it was so interesting. And I'll never forget that I was playing all good. And then my, I let my friend play on my account. And I came back after work and he had made me so evil. My character was like ruined he was like all red and smelly and everything but it was so, just so funny and a uh, memorable thing that could happen in a game like fable uh 360 R. I talked about it on the show a little bit uh the original mass effect for a lot of the reasons that i outlined the fact that they basically built that world from scratch where like casey hudson was drawing the the uh geth on like a napkin and what he wanted them to look like and um Halo three was really special to me. It was like what got me into video production because I made a video about it, won a contest, and then sort of got set on my way into video production. And then uh, Xbox One, Red Dead Redemption two, because for me that was definitely a turning point where the Xbox had a system that could run a game better than PlayStation could. The and Xbox One X, the about. Xbox One X, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so Microsoft finally starting to figure out. Um, something unique with their platform in terms of uh, power and such. And as we go into the the next gen consoles, I think it's going to be really neck and neck with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. And that's exactly how I want it. I don't want any one person dominating. I want them pushing each other to be better. And I feel like that's what's happening going into the PS5, Xbox Series X era. And, And that's really exciting. I don't think we've seen the Xbox Series X game, as Kyle asked. That is going to be like the defining one. If I had to say now, I would say the new Forza, though. It's early on in development. We've only seen a few frames of it, but it looks absolutely stunning. Awesome.
2: Well, we've got about four minutes here. Um, Miranda, I'll go your way next. You're next on the list.
4: Okay, rapid fire, OG Xbox, Halo, because I was a small child and it was my first first first-person shooter and I was so excited. (laughs) Xbox Series I played it secret. My mom was not supposed to know xbox 360 uh gears of war that was the first game i was jealous of no that was probably the second game i was jealous of someone playing my parents would not let me have uh but i eventually got it anyway which is really great yeah <laughs> we got there. we got there and then also fallout 3 um uh, being able to addicted to substance in games that that was that just blew my mind. Um, I think I was still a little bit younger in my gaming experience at that point, and I was very excited to have a cool open world game. And then for Xbox One, uh Titanfall, of course. Sorry, Brandon, I actually stole this review after I saw you list it. Come like, on. That was so close. <laughs> that was so close I ever got it was so close to launch. Um and but my unique Xbox One ones was Fantasia Music Evolved because I really, really connect, and that felt like the first game. I mean, obviously 360 had some good Connect games. But that one felt like it was really used in the Kinect and music games in a very innovative and just fun way. Uh, sure. So I really enjoyed that. And then another kind of wow moment for me on Xbox One was Gears 4's HDR. So whenever I went to go do um, IGen first for Gears Four 4.4, uh, they showed me some like comparisons of just how that could look. And I was like, dang, game's looking good now. And so that's sure that an for
2: HDR really capable cool. TV, right?
4: Yes, I did not <laughs> have one at the time. So I was glad I got to see one in person <laughs>
2: Brandon Tyrell, the final two minutes are yours here for the the, games that allowed you.
1: Probably won't need them because everyone took mine. Uh, The original Xbox, I had Halo. Um, (laughs) I mean, after you leave the ship, you crash land on the ring, you walk out of the escape pod and look up and you see the ring go into the distance. For me, that was a moment where I was like, holy crap, holy crap, this this is the future, the future is now. Um, And then to Destin's point as well, I also had Fable uh and that wasn't so much graphically wise but um i don't i don't reference that so much as as the graphics of the game but as what that game allowed you to do and the morality system was really awesome but i also remember like your character ages and progresses over time and when you take damage and get cut you get scars and i was like this is it this is the future real-time reactive character customization um Turns out it was kind of just a gimmick, but you know, I, I I still remember thinking like this is this is the start of something big. Uh, for three sixty, for me, it was gears going to an area. You see that God ray come down, and I'm just like, wow, it's a pretty video game. Uh, and then also Dead Rising. Uh, less for graphics but more because after you get through the first 15 minutes of that game's opening and oh my god does it take forever you get out into the mall and you see like dozens of undead and there are a million items for you to pick up and all of it is there and, and back then it was like it wasn't it wasn't so ubiquitous right there were there weren't there weren't just things to do everywhere uh so i remember thinking like this is a giant sandbox with zombies this is exactly what i wanted and and at that point I was sold on, uh, really on that franchise, but also like the capabilities of that generation. And then for the Xbox One, Destin, or uh, Miranda took it. Sorry, I almost blamed Destin. Um, That's fine. But but Titanfall, like I, I was a huge fan of mech games. Mech Assault was sort of my foray into Xbox Live, that that old, old OG mech game. And then Call of Duty, I was a huge fan of. So playing Titanfall is sort of a merger of those two. I felt like it was the start of a new kind of shooter after shooters i felt had become kind of stale you had the the halo school of thought and the call of duty school of thought but titanfall felt like something like a unique mix of the two uh for next gen i also agree yeah. i don't think we've seen it yet um uh, there's nothing that's really stri- maybe hellblade 2 i think is, is really the one that that to me is like holy crap that is what next gen games are going to be um but again jury's still out we'll have to wait and see
2: good stuff uh excellent Excellent YAPA question there, Kyle from Wisconsin. Yeah, Send great. a question. Go to just Google IGN Unlocked 464. Leave your Yappa comment at the bottom of the page, and we'll uh, we'll feature you on the show next week if you leave us an awesome question. So with that, for Destin Legary, Brandon Tyrell, and Miranda Sanchez, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was the Palindromatic Podcast Unlocked episode 464. We'll get to the trivia next week. Until then, happy Xbox gaming.